Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Booster, conversations designed to inspire you, me, and her. I'm your host, Nia Mason, and as we dive into our third episode, we continue to explore a sisterhood theme that will be featured throughout the month of January. Meg Brady and Jill Hub, former Adidas apparel designers, join us in the Booster Club today to talk about their current careers. Meg as design director for tech startup company Motusi, and Jill as a women's apparel designer for Jordan Brand. In today's episode, Meg and Jill detail their experience as best friends excelling in the design industry and how, although their similar backgrounds and career interests are what brought them together as friends, their ability to deliver and receive tough love has helped them to both individually grow within their careers and also turn that friendship into a true sisterhood. Through our conversation, we learn the specific ways Jill and Meg show up for each other, both personally and professionally, how they take in criticism as a way to amplify rather than minimize their work as creatives, and lastly, how they tackle the unsurety of what's next, finding growth and positivity within uncertainty. You two have a very interesting story as to how you first met. So Jill and I both went to Marist College, which is in Poughkeepsie, New York. And we were both in the fashion program, which is a small program, like 30 people. And then we were both also student athletes. And so being a student athlete, you have to come back early, usually for many holiday breaks. It must have been Christmas because I've ran track. Jill played basketball. We lived in this dorm that was like supposedly haunted. It was called Sheehan Hall. It was haunted by the Sheehan ghost. And one day I was walking back up from practice and I heard this banging noise. So I just went and opened the door to like see what it was. And all of a sudden I just see this girl and she just turns around and looks at me and it's Jill just dribbling a basketball <laughs> up and down the halls of the dorm. And I love this story because I was kind of like, had no idea it was all happening until years <laughs> later. I love hearing it from Meg's perspective. Like we didn't even talk, but... I think after that, we must have had like a drawing class together. I think our first class was freshman year together, like some figure drawing class. And so we had that. And then as the years go on, you have more and more classes together. And so we just yeah. obviously spent a lot of time in class and then in the fashion lab and outside of the fashion lab. I know you both have extensive sports backgrounds, Meg with track and field and Jill, you with basketball. Has it always been designed as that landing spot for you both? Yeah, for me, it is. When I look back in my childhood, sports was always so important, but I think art and drawing was something no one ever had to tell me to do. My dad would be like, did you take your thousand shots today? You know, did you get out there and do it? But with design, it was something I could just get lost in for hours. I went to a visual and performing arts high school in New Jersey. And so I kind of knew from a really young age that I wanted to pursue art as a career. This is it. Yeah. So my grandmother, she's from Italy. And when she came to New York, she worked as a seamstress. And then my great-grandmother was a tailor. So it also was something I always knew how to do. So it just kind of felt really natural. Yeah, I was like really lucky to have all these people around me as resources. I think also like to Jill's point, very similar. Like I was always a runner, ran track and cross country and always did art. But once I got out of college, I was working in New York for XL Brands, which was, it's like an umbrella company that has a bunch of different designers under it. And we were doing women's wear, like cut and sew sweaters, knits, denim. I feel like I really missed sports in my life. Like I'm still running by myself, but like, I think that was what was most exciting about going to Adidas is like, all of a sudden you're surrounded by people who share a common interest. 
think the hardest breakup I ever had was with basketball. It was a really big part of myself that I had to let go and just focus on fashion. To Meg's point now, being in these companies, it kind of just, it's very much a part of who I am and like how I work as a designer. Yeah. I think also, even when it comes to like designing performance products, just having insights of being an athlete is really helpful. Mm -hmm. Not to say you need to be an athlete by any means, but there's just something kind of like inherent that you know, like this material, no, you can't wear this if you're running 10 miles. You need a pocket, you need this. There's just some things that come kind of like a second nature to you, just being an athlete. Jill, prior to being at Jordan, you were working for Adidas, but in menswear. How has that experience shaped the path that you're on now at Jordan? So much. It's funny. So as Meg was saying, I went to school and I studied women's wear and focused on like contemporary ready to wear. Then I was interning in the freelancing at Marc Jacobs. So really specialized women's wear. And I came to Adidas and I got this job in menswear. And I was like, I can't do it. I remember calling my dad. I'm like, I can't do this. And he was like, well, clearly you can. I offered you the job. And I feel like I went in there and I was petrified because it didn't come naturally to me. At least in my career, it showed me that you can take job opportunities and things that you don't feel confident in, you're probably going to get the biggest growth. Meg, you were in performance training and now you're at a tech startup. Starting in a new place, in a new role, there's inevitable shifts in environment and culture. And even your landscape of designing looks different. How do you experience these differences in environment and culture, et cetera? I'm at a company called Motusi now. And Motusi is like a wearable tech startup. So the whole idea is around tracking human performance and data mapping on body during sport or during physical therapy. So like making sure you're doing lifts correctly, making sure you're doing lunges correctly, things like that. Really different going from obviously Adidas, which is a huge corporation, like one of the biggest in the world and being surrounded by designers. And I think, especially at these companies, somebody has a job for everything. You have somebody to help you with materials. You have someone to help you with color, someone to help you talk to factories. And so that has been probably the biggest thing for me is I'm now that person who finds factories, finds people locally to make samples, sources materials. I'm kind of the material developer, the pattern person, the actual designer, which is a lot, but it's amazing. It's like a huge growing opportunity, but that has probably been the biggest difference. Leaps and bounds different, by the way. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Still working on like performance apparel, but it's like a very, very niche specialized category. Yeah. I feel like if, if it was even possible, I went in slightly the opposite direction to Meg where I was at a huge corporation. And then I went to one that was just even bigger. I already had a lot of people I worked with. Now I have even more people I work with. Anytime you go from like one big company to another, it's almost like going to a new college. To Meg's point, you take for granted when I was at Adidas, especially because I interned there, I had this huge group of friends. It's kind of like starting at a new school. There's so much subjectivity and opinion-based feedback that you both deal with as designers, which someone in marketing or finance wouldn't necessarily see. How do you guys handle that subjectivity when it shows up as an obstacle to you? It could be hard. When I was first starting, I'd be like really sensitive to it because it was I was very tied to my ideas are a reflection of me as a person. And mm -hmm. if someone doesn't like my ideas, then they don't like or value me. As I've grown, you have to kind of be like, this is my perspective of the brand. If someone's critiquing it, it's more about the bigger vision for the brand, not so much about me, Jill Hub, as a designer. So as much as I can kind of separate it and be like, okay, is this right for the brand? Is this right for the story? It becomes less about me. And so the feedback is just more about the product. Mm -hmm. When you love basketball or you love performance or whatever, and you're like, why won't you listen to me? I love this so much. Like, it's hard. It's hard to swallow. 
I think it helps that that's kind of what we were taught is that you'll face critique and you'll face opinions. And I think usually that makes the product stronger. Knowing that this subjectivity isn't the only difficulty you guys face in a given day. What are some other barriers that you come across just as a designer in general? Knowing that everybody has a different deliverable to make and it's never really against you or like your department. We think we're all on different pages and we're not going for the same end goal. That was a challenge I faced being able to get to a point with my cross-functional team where we were super comfortable and could just go to each other and kind of talk about anything. I would agree with Megan, everything she said. When you're working in such a big corporation, it's not just your opinion. Whereas if you're in a small design house, the designers kind of get autonomy to be like, well, this is the collection. It's my exact vision. And this is what we're going to do. It's the most challenging part, but it's also the most rewarding and the part I've grown from the most. Because designing the product to me is the easiest and the most fun part. But figuring out ways to get everyone to come on the journey with you is the trickiest, especially as a creative You're trying to inspire your team and everyone else to like feel as passionately as you do. I love these clothes. I love the collection. How do I make this story really captivating to my team to get them to support me? Some people can read product flats. Some people can read fashion illustrations. Some people can't read anything at all. How do I change how I work to get someone along for the ride with me? Your vision that is so clear to you, how does marketing understand? How does development, who's so analytical, how did they get it. And I love that you brought that up because that's such an underrated difficulty. But it truly makes you excited that your work is appreciated and B, it makes everybody else excited because they now see your vision and they understand it. Spending so much time on the presentations, I feel like you need to just so everyone can be on the same page and share the same amount of enthusiasm to get after it. You both have made significant career jumps within the past year or so. What was it specifically that compelled these leaps? I think it goes back to when you were asking about how close sports and basketball are in our lives. The opportunity later down the road came up for Jordan women's. I was like, oh my God, this is it. You know, there's so many parts of me and who I am in this. It inherently felt right. I'm so excited about this. It feels like me and something I'm really passionate about. And it's like a once in a lifetime opportunity. And then Meg, your career change is fairly new. How do you trust yourself to know that you've made the best decision for you? I think at Adidas, I got super comfortable. I was on the same team for the past four and a half years doing various different products, but I got really comfortable with my coworkers and my cross-functional team and you know, just even designing the product. It didn't necessarily feel like a challenge. Taking an opportunity like this, I'm like, it's definitely a risk. In the sense of growth, I feel like I've definitely made the right choice. How has your friendship played into these situations where it's like, I don't know if this is the right move or I've made this move and I don't know if it's the right decision. How have you guys been there for each other in those moments? Having somebody who you respect so much and you respect their opinion and their outlook on it and being able to just have conversations and be like, hey, this is what I'm thinking. What do you think about this? It really goes a long way, especially... Neither of us have family out here. It's definitely super important. Endless pros and cons lists and bottles of wine with your girls. But I mean, it's just, yeah, I think it's everything. Especially like in our careers and female friendships at that are some of the most important things that have got me through some really hard times. This is a side anecdote, but another good friendship story is Meg (laughs) helped me train for the New York Marathon. Stop! Yeah. I had never run more than like three or four miles in my life. And I entered the lottery for the New York marathon and I 
of course I got in, came to Meg and I was like, they've already charged my credit card. I have to run. Um, I need help. Not only did she run multiple long runs with me, but she also jumped in the marathon when I thought I was going to die and ran the last like two miles with me. She crushed it. Like the New York marathon is such a hard marathon. Me and our other friend, Sarah, we all flew out there. We're running around the city cheering for her. It was so fun. Your overlap in your professional lives, working in the same brand, in the same field, being subject to the same stresses, and even both being athletes turned designers, that has had to have been a major player in your friendship growing to the strength that is now. What has it meant to you both having a best friend that can relate to your professional experience almost exactly? I think it's huge. Yeah. And I think it's really special. And it's really unique. It keeps you honest because, you know, your friends are there to help you out, but they're also there to humble you when you need to be humbled or give you the hard truth or hype you up when you need that too. But I think our fields are so specialized. I don't know, at least for me, it's been just a massive, massive support system to have a best friend in that space who really gets it. Because we've known each other for so long, it just adds so many more layers. We've known each other since we were 18 and we've seen each other through so many stages of our lives. And we've both grown, but we've also grown together, which I think is really important too. It's so rare how similar your experiences are because there is this element of tough love that really does come across as an understanding tough love because you really do understand it. With Meg, when I ask her for those moments, like, I need you to be real with me about whatever, like, please give me your honest opinion. I feel like that's how you know who your true friends are when they tell you. My style of communication has become so much stronger through friendships like Jill. The types of conversations we have and have had have made me such a better communicator to friends and family and everything. And I probably would have like shied away from saying things before, but just being more open and really asking hard questions if they need to be asked or calling someone out or being called out by your friends and realizing that it's not an attack. It's more of just something to make you better. The design industry is competitive and we've already talked about the barriers that you guys face within the landscape of being a designer and how easy it can be to get bogged down by sort of how demanding it is. Just knowing how beneficial your friendship has been to your professional experience as designers, why would both of you say it's so important for women specifically in this field to befriend one another, stand up for one another, amplify each other? What is it specifically about design that makes these actions from other women so important? Being able to like really be there and support one another, I think is important, especially because these industries can just be like so heavily male oriented. You might be designing product for a male athlete, but then your marketing counterpart, who's the female as well, and the whole Louisville football team. And then you're like, ah, I'm going to make this for you. I think it just adds confidence and it instills a level of confidence in you that you definitely need in the industry. Yeah, I would agree with Meg. I've always felt like my girl gang has been like the best support system I've ever had. It's like the same thing. It reminds me of being on a basketball team. Mm -hmm. Your teammates are the people you kind of always go to at the end of the day. And I think we have been able to form that within the industry. But prior to coming to Adidas and now to Jordan, when I was working in fashion in New York, those were really female-dominated industries. So when I came into the sports industry, it was a much different experience. So I think to have just like a female perspective and also people that you can kind of bounce things off of. 
I always feel like your female friends to go and be really honest because everyone is in the same boat as you. Okay. We are nearing the end and I'm excited for you both to be a part of our booster up segment. We introduced this segment in episode one with Shawnee and Nenea. And this is a segment where I will always ask the same two questions of our boosters. So for our first booster up question, what would each of you say has been your career defining moment so far? For me, it would be taking my first job in menswear because I was so petrified and excited all at the same time. But I feel like it laid a path for me to be able to explore different things that weren't comfortable for me. I think when I saw myself grow in a way that I didn't expect, it kind of gave me that little taste where you're like, want to keep growing. I think mine would probably be moving from New York to Portland just because I wouldn't have had this career anywhere else. And I've been able to really like dive into my dream job and meet so many different people and make so many connections. So even though it was early on, I feel like that was like definitely a big step and kind of a risk to just move out to Oregon for a short duration contract and hope it works out. But I'm really, really happy I did it. As you continue learning and growing on your current path, what is one thing you wish the younger Meg or the younger Jill knew in order to be better prepared? Being able to disagree with people and not feel like you're letting someone down or you're not going to be valued as much because of that. And also being able to admit when you don't know something or if you've made a mistake, I think being able to admit to those things is really important. For me, it's a little bit introspective into just how I viewed myself when I first started versus how I do now. Being creative is a part of how I view me and my identity. And I think it's easy, especially in fashion, whether it's in the sports industry or you're working for a more traditional fashion brand to get caught up in this image of yourself that you want to be, especially with like Instagram and the internet and whatever it is, you have to remember who you are. I want to thank you both so much for joining me today. I think we can all relate to wanting and even needing a friend that truly understands not just our personal struggles, but also our professional struggles. And I love how much of an embodiment you two are to that. You know, something that this podcast is all about. It's just knowing who your people are and keeping them close and being able to have this element of tough love. But at the end of the day, you both know it's love. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having us. It's been so fun. (laughs) It was. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Booster, conversations designed to inspire you, me, and her. To learn more about Jill Hub or Meg Brady and connect with them via social media, you can find them on our Instagram, along with our other boosters featured in season one. So go ahead and give us a follow at Boost Her Podcast, all one word. And please feel free to drop us a comment. We would love to hear from you. Thank you again for listening to Boost Her where we will happily pull up a seat at the table for you as a reminder that while individually we may be great, collectively we are magic.